You're listening to Vet Candy. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vet Candy IRL, and I'm your host, Shannon Gregoire. So today I'm bringing to you a veterinarian who not only has a very unique and interesting backstory to how she got into vet med and so many letters after her name, I think I stopped counting, (laughs) but also she's working in the section of our field to work with veterinary technicians. And we're going to hear her story about how she's really elevating probably the most underutilized and sometimes under-respected portion of our profession. And I think it's super important, um, all the effort that she's putting into this program. So would you help me welcome Dr. Virginia Corrigan? Hi, Virginia. Hi, Shannon. Thanks so much for having me on today. This is an honor. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. I'm super excited to share with our listeners your story and everything that you're doing for our profession. And I think I just want to start with letting them know like more about your background. Like, How did you get started in vet med and know what your trajectory kind of looked like. Oh, sure. I'd be happy to share. You know, my story probably isn't as exciting as, you know, some guests, but I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was seven years old, you know, kind of the typical story, (laughs) Uh, which is, which is also very good, you know, but I remember having cats growing up and I also had horses growing up. And so cats and horses have always been my favorite animals and, and still are. And, you know, I just, I just loved being around animals understanding, uh, you know, more about them was really what, what drove me. And it still does, you know, all the books that I would read were, you know, all about the care of, of horses and cats. And so it was just a very natural decision for me. So I knew by the time I was seven, that this is what I was going to be when I grew up. Yeah, that's fantastic. I had, I had horses growing up and still do today too. So they are so, so close to my heart still. <laughs> yes, it was interesting because I rode horses. I did hunter jumper equestrian events um, all through growing up. I lived at the barn. You know, I, I rode horses and that, you know, I went to the barn right after school. That was my entire world. And when I learned that I was accepted into veterinary school, I was, uh, my plan was to be an equine veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm 11 years out from vet school now. And I, <laughs> I have, not worked with a horse since I graduated, um, except for, you know, just a little bit here and there, being able to ride other people's horses. But it's it's really just fascinating where this career can take you when you think you're going to do one thing and then end up doing something completely different, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's it's definitely the profession that I think is kind of like a, like a spider web. One direction can lead you to so many other different places. And before you know it, you've gotten a completely different way than you thought you were before, but it still ends up being a really amazing story. Yeah. And where did you go to undergrad and and do your pre-vet studies? Sure. Um, Well, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio originally. And so I went to undergrad at Miami University of Ohio. So not Miami, Florida, but Miami of Ohio, which anyone who's from the Midwest understands, you know, we always have to explain it when we exit out of the Midwest. Um, But I am a Midwesterner at heart. So I went to Miami University of Ohio I rode for the equestrian team. Just a funny story. I, I went to nationals for the for the equestrian team instead of going to my college graduation. So that's how important animals and horses are to me. Um, but I, I majored in zoology with a pre-veterinary studies emphasis and 
Then I went to veterinary school at the University of Tennessee, which was really amazing, amazing experience. I was in-state in Ohio, but I did not get into Ohio State. So I applied to some other schools and ended up being admitted into the University of Tennessee. And I had the most fantastic experience. So go Vols. <laughs> I'm a very devoted volunteer. I had the most fantastic four-year vet school experience. And it's probably has a lot to do with how I ended up in academia because I felt like I found my home, you know, in this environment where there's so much learning and education and mentorship going on all under the same roof. It was just such a great experience for me. Yeah, that's fantastic. I have um, a friend from undergrad who's a third year at uh, UT right now, and she absolutely loves it. So that's fantastic. (laughs) It's crazy to see how people, you know, from undergrad end up going all over the country for vet school and kind of seeing what their journey looks like and what, you know, compared to yours and how the similarities and the differences of all the schools is really cool to see. It is very cool to see. I had the opportunity when I was in veterinary school to serve on the National SAVMA board. And my position was the International Veterinary Exchange Officer. And I think that position has changed since I was in school. But what was really, really neat was I had the opportunity to travel all over the world and meet veterinary students from different countries. And it's not just, you know, around the country. I think there's so many similarities in the people who are drawn to this profession from all over the world. You know, we came together, we sometimes didn't even speak the same language, but everyone just, you know, there was that instant connection. Um, and the things that we were going through, the things we were learning and what we were aspiring to do was was all very similar. So we all really could speak that that same language together. So that was an eye-opening aspect. And, and I felt like I just had so many doors open for me when I was at Tennessee, some things that I, I didn't even know were possible. That, that they made happen or just the opportunities that presented themselves. So again, I can't speak highly enough of the, the program there. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the desk wench. You know, the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well, if you like that, you are going to love my new podcast, Desk Wench Confessions. On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. Yeah, that's fantastic. It truly is such a a small and devoted profession. And it's, it's crazy. You're, you know, one or two steps removed from every other veterinarian in the profession. So it's, it's pretty crazy who knows who from, you know, school or residencies or where they worked before. It's amazing. Now, it's interesting now, kind of, um, you know, I could fill in the gaps for you if you'd like in my career path. Let me let me walk you through that and then I'll tell you where I am now and, and what it made me think of when you were you were talking about how, you know, how small this profession is. That resonates with me. I, I think that's true. I think there are a lot of connections and it's important that we have those connections. So just to walk you through my career, I graduated from veterinary school at the University of Tennessee in 2010 and I went to do an internship 
it was somewhere between my third and my fourth year, I think I decided that I wasn't going to pursue my career path in equine uh, veterinary medicine. And I think what was nice about my education at Tennessee, what I appreciated was we had such a breadth of coursework and experience. So we didn't track, you know, I had the ability to, to really pivot towards doing small animal and it wasn't difficult based on the career or based on the courses that I had taken. So somewhere between my third and my fourth year, I decided that I wanted to have horses on the side and pursue small animal medicine as my career path, which, you know, 11 years later, you know, newsflash, I still don't have a horse, but I still have dreams of that. <laughs> it turns out they're really expensive, these horses at any rate. So I went to do an internship in Colorado in Denver at Alameda East Veterinary Hospital, which is now a VCA hospital. So I did my internship there. Another fantastic experience. And through that time I had at Alameda East, I, I learned a couple of things. Number one, I, I just was fascinated with small animal medicine, surgery, emergency, general practice. It all was really, really fun to me. So I knew I'd found the right niche for myself. What I became really interested in was ophthalmology because I thought, well, I love horses. I love small animals. Maybe I can be an ophthalmologist and so I can work with both. So I worked with an ophthalmologist on the side and I ended up applying for an ophthalmology residency and did not get it, which is common. It's a very, very competitive residency to get. And so I said, well, what else can I do? And I decided I really like general practice and emergencies. So um, my family is all on the East Coast. So I went back to Charlotte, North Carolina to be closer to my boyfriend, became fiance, is now my husband. You know, of course, those, those ties are always very important. Um, so I came back to the East Coast, found a position at Char in Charlotte, North Carolina. I worked at Animal Medical Hospital, which is a large general practice and emergency hospital in Charlotte, North Carolina for two years. And that was a fantastic experience. I did so much that I didn't even know it was possible because a lot of my shifts were emergency and by myself, you know, as far as the only DBM and in the middle of the night and just seeing whatever walked through the door. So as far as just getting that hands-on experience, that was really pivotal for me and gaining a lot of confidence in myself. But what I learned that I liked the most about that job was the fact that we had interns. And so there were always, um, you know, new grads coming in and I just absolutely loved working with them you know, learning from them as much as they were learning, you know, hopefully learning from me. And so I discovered that really my heart was back in some sort of an academic or teaching environment. So I looked around to see what was, what was possible. Um, and the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine is one of the, one of the very few colleges that actually offers a residency program in veterinary practice. So the ABVP, which we talked about before, uh, the American American Board of Veterinary Practitioners. We call ourselves the generalist specialists. So, uh, you know, jack of all trades and master of none. So, you know, there's different areas of clinical practice that you can specialize in. And the residency that Virginia, Maryland has is for canine and feline practice. So it's an opportunity to work in a teaching hospital and work within the primary care or community practice, but also have experience working with all of the specialists. So really kind of broadening my expertise and knowledge base in all things canine and feline practice. And I was able to do a, a master's degree in public health concurrently with the residency program, which was great because I've always had an interest in public health. I, I started my public health 
degree when I was at Tennessee, but it was challenging enough, I thought, to graduate from veterinary school. So I kind of tabled that. So I was able to really complete that passion of mine. So I did a master's of public health and the residency program. And I was under the under the mentorship of absolutely fantastic veterinarian. And I had, a, you know, another eye-opening experience. And I learned that education and teaching was where I felt my passion was was in veterinary medicine. And so at the end of my residency, I was asked to stay on as faculty and I was very happy to do so. So I was faculty at the Virginia Maryland College of Veterinary Medicine for five additional years after finishing my residency. And that was um, wonderful. So I was working in the community practice department and I also helped to grow the rehabilitation department. We talked about all the letters behind my name. I'm a nerd for life. I love learning. I love all of the certification programs. I'm always thinking what's next. So while I was faculty, I obtained my certifications in rehabilitation as well as hospice and palliative care. So I worked towards helping our rehab department grow. And then, you know, jump forward to now in September, I joined Appalachian State University and I am helping them to start a brand new veterinary technology program. So you just never know where life is going to lead you. (laughs) Yes, that is fantastic. I I love it when I hear veterinarians that just kind of bump around different places and then, you know, following what makes their heart sing in the veterinary profession. And they kind of just use that to start influencing others. And it's fantastic. And teaching is so important, especially, you know, for future, all those future generations that want to be veterinarians or technicians to really keep our profession strong and smart. And it's so rewarding too. And I think on a selfish side, from a teacher's uh, you know, education side, I, I learn just as much or probably even more from my students as I think they learn from me. So again, I think it goes back to my true nature of, you know, being very driven to learn. And that's really, you know, like what ignites my excitement and passion about, you know, everything in life, but especially veterinary medicine is, is being able to always learn something new and, and strive to be better to better meet the needs of our patients and society and the community and all these sorts of things. So I found that that back and forth learning process to be just so engaging. And I I really enjoy that a lot. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Especially new people all the time, learning what they know and teaching them what you know. It's really awesome. And with medicine advancing at a record pace uh, these, you know, last 10, 15 years, it's been really amazing to see the kind of things that are coming up in veterinary medicine and new therapies and new ways to help our patients. So it's it's really astounding. And I'm so excited to see what else comes through the door <laughs> and what we can do for everybody. And so tell us a little bit about the program that you're working on for vet technicians. Is it going to be like a two-year program, four-year? Are you planning on having any like VTS programs there too? Just a little background on the program. So Appalachian State is developing a program for in veterinary technology, and it will be a four-year program. So it will award a bachelor's of science degree at the completion. And if you're not already aware, there's two main routes that one can go through to obtain credentialing as a veterinary technician in the United States. So you have to have graduated from an AVMA accredited program in veterinary technology. And there's two main types. There's uh, a program that awards an associate's degree, which is generally two or three years. And then there's a program that awards a bachelor's degree, which is a typical, you know, four-year course of study. 
by far and away, most programs award associate's degrees. And then some of the bachelor's awarding programs are bachelor's completion programs. So in other words, students who have already completed two or three-year associates can complete their bachelor's in some of these programs that offer a bachelor's completion. So what's really unique about this program is we're going to be the first online or distance-based program that will be offering a full four-year start-to-finish degree. And so that's the other unique aspect is that this will be a distance-based program. We will be harnessing innovation and technology really to try to meet the needs because the needs are great right now in the veterinary profession for credentialed, skilled, trained, and educated veterinary technicians and veterinary nurses. And the really amazing thing also about this program is our partnership. We are partnered with Mars Veterinary Health and Banfield to create this program because, again, they see this need in the profession for, you know, an influx of trained and credentialed veterinary technicians. And I'm sure we'll get to this, but they are the absolute lifeblood of our profession. And I think the pandemic has done a lot of things with our profession, but one is just really showing us how crucial veterinary technicians and veterinary nurses are to the health and sustainability of our profession. And I'm really glad to be part of a program that's overall goal is to elevate the role of these individuals in our, not only in our practice and in our profession, but in society. So that's, you know, there's some lofty goals behind the program too, not only just to provide a really great educational experience, but we really wanted to change things for the better. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. As a veterinarian, it's important to perfect your clinical skills. That's why Vet Candy created a master course in toxicology. The master course is taught by a board-certified criticalist and delivers a thorough evaluation of the science and clinical practice skills needed to master toxicology from decontamination to treatment. And when you complete the course, you receive exclusive tools to celebrate, recognize, and share your accomplishment. And what's even more exciting, the course is free and provides race and New York State approved continuing education credits. This program is brought to you by Vitoquinol. Start learning today at myvetcandy.com forward slash talks. Start learning today at myvetcandy.com forward slash TOX. Yeah, absolutely. Because, well, at least in Massachusetts, most of the schools that had veterinary technology degree programs um, were private universities. And some of them have gone under or been bought by different other universities that um, I think one of them kept the program and one of them didn't. So we had a, a loss of, again, one more program in our state. So it's hard when people have limited access to getting these degrees. So having another resource that's online, accessible, affordable for people to do to really elevate their career path and, you know, go along to, you know, really learning and mastering the craft of being a technician is so important. I think it's important to think about how we create opportunities that are not only really high quality, but also meeting the needs of today's learners. And we've all learned a lot through the last two years. And I think the fact that, you know, people want more flexibility, they want more autonomy over 
their work, over their education. You know, I think these things are important lessons. And, you know, I, as the program director, I'm trying to listen, you know, to the community to really hear what the needs are and how we can do things a little bit differently, really to meet the needs of today's learners. So they're they're getting the education that they that they need to get where they want to go in their career, but also to go up the ladder, you know, to be able to have a career progression so that they can. The other thing I'm, I think is so important is how do we create a sustainable profession? How do we keep good people in the profession? Obviously, that's just a whole nother huge discussion. And I'm really open to to hearing more. I've been trying to reach out to as many people as I can just to learn, you know, what we can do to really not only provide opportunity, but not lose, you know, these, these wonderful people that we have in our profession. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, I think some technicians are so underutilized when, you know, as doctors and a, and a future doctor, it's great. You can almost multiply yourself when you have these really trusted technicians that can do, you know, everything, but diagnose, prescribe and cut, you know, you can do so many things when you trust them and you have a good competent team of technicians that are amazing to really elevate your practice and, and let them take on a role. I think that maybe some doctors are, are maybe afraid to let their technicians really step up into those roles and take on more responsibility in the practice to really help efficiency. I think it could really help with technician appointments to lower the strain on the doctors and really be able to take our resources as a doctor and be able to spread them out further when we have a lot of help and and really good help to take care of our patients. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more. I think in my experience, I've, I've been in private practice, I've been in a corporate practice, I've been in academia and having the team around you that you can, you can trust, you can delegate and you know that you can hand off the patient to them and say, this is what this patient needs and move on to, you know, to the next and have the utmost trust in that person. That's exactly what we're going for. And, and it for, you know, we're just so amazingly fortunate to have people like that. And when I've been in academia and at the vet school, I, I tell my friends and colleagues, I felt like a kid in the candy store because, you know, I felt like that was exactly the situation I had is I, I just had the most phenomenal team of veterinary technicians, veterinary nurses around me. And, and they were so diligent to the patients and, you know, without their expert eyes, ears, you know, all of what they were doing, you know, those patients, I can't watch them all, all the time. You know, it was really just, just understanding and, and they would suggest things when things needed to happen for my patients or they were very observant, you know, that there's just, there's no substitute for, for them. And the patients receive the best care when you have the best team around you. Yeah, absolutely. And especially for new grad veterinarians going out, you know, I always pay really close attention, not just to the doctors of clinics that I'm going to, but their technicians. And some of them have been practicing longer than I've been alive. And they just know all the nuances of the profession that we haven't experienced yet. And they just have really good pointers for things, even communication. They know who the tough clients are in that practice. They know how to kind of guide you along and they show you where everything is in that practice. You know, they really are the ones who really acclimate you to that clinic and, you know, guide your medicine. And if you need someone to help you with something that's, you know, bounce ideas off of, or if they're coming to tell you that, hey, this patient looks painful, I think we need to add a different modality of pain control. It's really 
valuable to me to have someone that I know has my back like that. You know, where do you think the profession for veterinary technicians is is headed, you know, with everything from the pandemic kind of really highlighting their importance and new programs like yours popping up? Where do you think this has an impact to go in the future? Well, I, I think the profession is at a turning point in a good way, is my opinion. I think we have for too long underutilized, underpaid, and underappreciated our team members. It's just gone on the way it has because it hasn't been, you know, that tipping point hasn't happened. And I think the issues that we're having now have probably built for a long time, but, um, you know, the pandemic with the increased strain on our teams, increased caseloads, um, the decreased efficiency that happened due to curbside practices, and just all of the stress and strain that was put on everybody for all these, you know, life concerns, anxieties, demands outside of the clinic have really put into sharp focus the fact that things need to change. And if they don't change, we're going to lose all of our good people. And then where does our profession go? So I think that it's like a wake up call is how I see it. I think that what I'm hearing, you know, across the profession and what I'm seeing is things moving in a much better direction because technicians and nurses are getting recognized. There's corporations such as VEG, veterinary emergency group that are really upping the bar as far as pay. You know, they say veterinary nurses are essential and we're going to pay them what they're worth. There's, you know, career ladders being generated that weren't there before, opportunities being created that weren't there before. I see that that's where this program fits in. You know, I don't think any any solution to the issues that we face are simple. <laughs> Otherwise, someone would have already come up with them already. And it's going to take a lot of effort from a lot of different areas of the, pro- of the profession and industry. I see that there's a lot of effort and interest into really, again, elevating the role of the veterinary technician and the veterinary nurse. And I see that as being very advantageous because, you know, if we don't provide you know, better pay, better recognition. And really the term utilization is is out there, but I like the word empowerment better. I heard that on another podcast from Paige Allen up at Purdue. And I I said, I'm going to start using that too, because I think that's exactly right. I think utilization sounds very utilitarian, you know, very transactional, but I think empowerment is really the idea here where we're empowering our veterinary technicians and our veterinary nurses to really rise up to the level that we that we, um, that we know they can. And, you know, I've worked with some absolutely phenomenal people in my, and I've been so fortunate. They're answering the phones and holding my dog when they could be, they could be anesthetizing a patient and coming up with an entire drug protocol and doing a nursing plan for this patient. I mean, their skills are just phenomenal. And the way the practice was organized or the way things have always been done, quote unquote, it it wasn't working, you know, and I think that we have to come up with new paradigms. We have to think of new ways of doing things. And that might not necessarily come from the inside. It might come from the outside in. I think we have a lot to learn from other professions like human medicine and human nursing on how they've built these different levels of skill set in their, you know, in nurses. I think that's something I'm learning a lot about. And that's definitely a, you know, a big conversation right now is could we have some sort of mid-level practitioner? Could that be a career pathway for our really skilled veterinary technicians and veterinary nurses? So I think that's a fascinating conversation. Like a position, almost like a physician's assistant, where it's a little elevated from a nurse, but it's not quite a full MD in the human profession. Like they do a lot. 
They do a lot of wellness and, and things like that. I think they can, I don't know if they're qualified to do surgery or not um, on the human side, but there are so many people helping the doctors in human medicine. You know, they have so many nurses, physician's assistants, you know, they have um, so many more levels of nurses in human medicine too, I think. You know, you have your RN or your somehow a BSN and they have like even higher levels of top tier nursing that they go and get their master's degree and something like that. So maybe even a master's veterinary technician program, um, something like that. And maybe just really telling people more about the VTS programs too. I think those are phenomenal. Um, I have a friend going through hers right now for internal medicine and it's really hard. She's kicking butt with it. And I truly applaud her for it because it's so fascinating, you know, all these things that they learn about the pathophys and, and their specialties too. It's really helpful to have someone to bounce back ideas on and, and everything in the clinic with that. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy Life is a talk show hosted by well-being gurus, Dr. Quincy Hawley and Renee Michelle. Each episode features expert tips, lifestyle advice, and real-life experiences from the most interesting people in the world. Check it out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. I'll go back to part of your question that I don't think I answered earlier when you asked specifically about VTS and whether or not that would be part of our program. Um, you're absolutely right that what I have learned about veterinary technology education has has just really, it's been so fascinating. This new um, career pathway for me has been, I think the steepest learning curve that I've had since veterinary school. And and there are so many really unique opportunities available. And I've, I have been learning more about the different uh, VTS or veterinary technician specialty opportunities and organizations and I think of it on the same level as, for example, I went through board certification for canine and feline, which which was a, a lot of work and it was very self-directed. It's a lot of continuing education, doing case reports, you know, working with specialists. And it's really much the same on, on their side. And it's very self-directed and it's absolutely amazing and astounding all the work that goes in to get that certification. And so, you know, I applaud those who go for that because it really is very self-directed, you know, based on, on an interest level or a passion. So as far as our program, we're not necessarily awarding any sort of VTS because that's all run by the different VTS specialty organizations under NAFTA, which is a, the main organization for veterinary technicians and veterinary nurses. What we are going to do is because this is a four-year program, what sets a two and a four-year program apart is the ability to really go above and beyond the skills and competencies that are set forth by the AVMA standards, the core skills and training that one needs to become credentialed as a veterinary technician. And we're going to offer some clinical tracks in the fourth year of the curriculum so that they can pursue specific areas of interest. And so those could include courses that are framed after the VTS specialty organization. So that's how I thought about it. I thought, you know, let me look at the different organizations and the 
the subject areas that they offer. Uh, for example, internal medicine, you mentioned, emergency and critical care, nutrition, dentistry, et cetera. So we could have, the courses could be framed around the concepts and the education that's important to those specialties. So it would serve as a pathway. So if an individual is really interested in someday obtaining their VTS and internal medicine, excuse me, the course would be a really great prep for them. You know, they need to have had a number of years of experience in the field and things like that because it's a bachelor's degree where they may or may not have the years of experience behind them. Um, again, it's it's not the sole thing that they would need to obtain that certification, but it would definitely help them along the way. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's really good to really spread awareness and even just to see if they choose to pursue something like that, you know, what that specialty would actually entail and, and um, all that training that would come with that. Exactly. It's, um, it shows them those different paths so that maybe they weren't even aware that that was an option. And so I, I would like to highlight all of the potential career options that they will have in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fantastic. And just making people aware is such a huge step that is you know in the right direction for a profession that maybe a lot of people don't know about. And kind of pivoting back to what do you do to, you know, I know there's a lot of burnout in the profession. So I like to ask all the veterinarians that I talk to, you know, what do you do to kind of either keep yourself grounded or, you know, to keep, you know, yourself happy and to feed the part of you that when you're not a doctor, when you're just Virginia to your family and friends, like, what do you love to do? I love that question. I am so passionate about self-care, wellness and well-being. I'm becoming very interested in this idea of positive psychology because I think it really does start with the way that we frame the problems in front of us. You can choose to see all of the challenges in veterinary medicine as a dark, stormy day outside your window, or you could choose to see it as the rainbow that's coming up over the clouds, you know, because the sun is is about to come and shine in. And so it's all about your personal choice and the way that you see the world, you have to find that time to center yourself and to do the things that fill your bucket. I love that book, um, How Full Is Your Bucket? Yeah, I think it may, it's short and sweet, but it makes so much sense. If you don't have anything to give, you're not going to be doing your best work. So you have to figure out what those things are. And for me, what fills my bucket, I'm a mother of three very small children, actually. One is seven months, one is two and one is four. And so my, you know, my children and my, my husband and my family are, are my core unit. Yesterday, they, I think the best part of my day was they all gave me a big group hug, you know, and it was like, if I have, you know, if I have nothing else, <laughs> uh, my family is, um, you know, their smiles, their laughs, you know, just their joy. That's absolutely number one, most important. Um, for me, what I do for myself, I'm an early bird. I get up at four in the morning and because it's quiet, it's quiet and I have time to myself. And if, if I don't take time for myself, I don't feel like I have anything to give to others. So um, I take time every morning to do some sort of physical activity, do a little meditation, um, just have some quiet time to think through, you know, all of the all of the buzz that's going on and just really center on on what's most important. I love being outside. I love taking little adventures with my kids, which, you know, they're little. So adventures could look like walking down the street and saying hi to a dog that we see or 
going to the playground and, you know, you know, the other day we pretended to be pirates at the playground. I mean, it's, it's simple things, <laughs> but they're, they're fun. You know, it's just being silly. I used to be very adventurous. I used to travel the world and, um, and I think I'll get back to that someday, but maybe once COVID isn't so much a part of our life and my kids are a little older. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, veterinarians, technicians, anyone who works in the veterinary field needs to know that filling their bucket should be a priority. And, you know, I always, what I've been saying in job interviews is, you know what, I can give you 110% of myself at work, but that means when I'm not here, I don't want you to bother me. Like I need my time to refill my bucket if I'm going to, you know, bust my butt for this practice and, you know, make production and all those other things. I need to have sufficient time that's not anything to do with the clinic so that I can focus on whatever personal needs I have, family, friends, whatever it may be, personal hobbies, all that stuff to really just reset and yeah, turn the faucet on and fill my bucket. We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Vet Candy makes learning fun with the most fascinating people on our planet. Our entertaining continuing education programs are made for your streaming world. Fabulous, fun, and free. Available on demand anywhere and anytime. Don't miss out. Subscribe today on iTunes, YouTube, or a platform of your choice. Or visit myvetcandy.com for more information. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Corrigan, for joining me today. And I hope that our listeners learn something new today, a new path through veterinary medicine, a new path for veterinary technicians that'll be available soon. And we will put the link to the program um, in the bottom of our section here with the podcast. So you just click on the details and that link will be down below for you guys. If you have any questions, we can get contact information from Dr. Corrigan as well at the university. And we hope to see you next time. This has been a fantastic episode of Vet Candy IRL. And I'm your host, Janet Gregoire, and I hope to see you all next time. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. Vet Candy. It's Vet Candy Radio.